Thank you for listening. Nope. 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 Hold on. Wait. Let me just get one really good one for you. Wait. Oh, God. <sighs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're ready. <laughs> the podcast can begin. Thank Landon, you for if you listening could... to Let the Right Films In. Uh, Landon, if you could put this in the bloopers, that would be great. Thank you. A podcast hosted by a real fucking jerk and her prisoner. <laughs> in separate locations. All right. <laughs> All right, for real now. <clears throat> for listening to let the right films in a movie podcast hosted in that sweet sweet michigan humidity i am your host tyler hannon and with me as always across the screens kayla sainage hello kayla how's it going you know it's all right the pandemic is still happening for those of you keeping track at home uh, I've been thinking a lot lately about how it's going to be interesting to listen back to these episodes in a year or two, just because I do sometimes do that where I listen back to old episodes of our podcast and it's like a strange curio of the time that it was recorded in. And normally I'm like, wow, that was a weird time. But I think this is the thing that'll take the cake for weird times. To put it mildly? Yes. And uh, <laughs> I am also doing fine relative to our current hellscape. We have gathered here today for our July recently watched segment. In, in our recently watched segments every month, we Kayla and I trade off two movies each, uh, and then also an off-topic segment at the end of varying length depending on whether it's Haley Williams, in which Kayla goes off for 45 minutes, or Phantom of the Opera, in which Kayla goes off for... Oh, no, that was an actual segment. Hold on. All right. I would like to set the record straight to say that I showed incredible restraint and did not go off for 45 minutes on Haley Williams and Phantom of the Opera is on topic. So that's Oh no, count. I am completely full of it right now. If anything, you are the much more like concise and together one, which is why I must delight in when, you know, tables turn a little bit. When I'm like, um, I just realized I blacked out and I've been talking about the Phantom of the Opera for 13 minutes straight and I don't know what I said. Landon knows what you said. He has everything. That's true. The blackmail tape is coming in the mail. God, just uh, wait until we actually get to do our Titanic episode, guys. If you want to hear me black out and talk for four hours about something that influenced me as a child, that's going to happen and it's going to rule. And it, it, it will absolutely rule. I look forward to having uh, at least one, if not several guests on and just like kicking back and watching. But we should plan that. <laughs> I mean, why not? Like <laughs> I, we record remotely anyway. Like, I mean, we won't be together, but like everyone else is recording remotely right now. They'll be even more comfortable than ever to join That's us. That's true. And we have a video component now, which is new. We never had that before. So it'll make oh it way God. easier for guests. <gasps> Shout out to Zoom. Name. I mean, we pay them, so, like, it's the bare minimum they can do. That's, yeah, that's true. So, Kayla, uh, since I'm hosting today, why don't you kick us off with one of your recently watched selections? Okay. So, uh, given the state of the world and trying to give more of my attention to Black filmmakers and culture and all of these things, I finally 
shamefully way late sat down to watch Horror Noir, which is a documentary about the history of Black horror films and the roles that Black people have had in horror throughout the genre's history. And this is something that has been on my list for a while. We missed the screening of it at Salem Horror Fest because of conflicts and it, it's so cool. Like, I don't know. That's like such a basic way to describe it, but it is such a delight to watch. I am, as you guys might know, I really enjoy like academia, I guess. I am a college dropout, but I really love the style of listening to a lecture or watching a documentary. And when you combine that with film and horror, those are just all of my favorite things all in once. And it is so cool to see so many great artists talking about, you know, the the thing that they love and the, the role that it played in their development. I came away from this with a, a treasure trove of movies that I want and need to check out. And I don't know, it just, it is a really great resource if like me, you don't know a lot about specifically like how the roles of black actors have evolved over the course of film history, or if you are particularly not aware of how horror has kind of cast them throughout and how they have worked to kind of reclaim the genre and, you know, take that history and make it into something interesting and good. So there is a lot of talk about early, I guess, exploitation films and later black exploitation films, which was a genre in the 70s that, you know, kind of focused on black people as like cool kick-ass characters in a weird kind of, I, I guess you could say fetishistic way, to more serious artistic endeavors like uh, the movie Ganja and Hess, which is a Black-led vampire movie that's like very austere, very artistic, to kind of more fun movies like the Blackula series, which despite being kind of silly, was a huge influence on a lot of people. And then also, you know, the, the Candyman original, um, Timely, since we have Nia DaCosta's remake coming out soon, which I am so excited to see. One, get a great context for the history of the genre and black people's place within it and come away with a, a huge list of movies to watch. Like I have probably five or six that I want to check out. And a lot of the movies that are mentioned in the documentary are also streaming on Shudder in partnership with, you know, a, a horror noir being a Shudder exclusive. So right now, Ganja and Hess and both Blackula movies are on there. And I believe there are a couple other ones on there. That's very vague. But yes, yeah, so you can scroll through Shudder. I, I'm pretty sure right now they have specifically a section dedicated to Black horror already curated and ready to go for you. So that is something that you can check out. Tyler, what is something that... Well, I guess, do you have any comments? Because I guess you have also seen this. Yeah, I mean, I just, just co-signing everything that you said. Being glad that most of those movies um, are still available on Shudder like uh, a year or however many months later. Um, and The Candyman is a, like easily, is readily available for the first time. Like, I don't know, since it came out basically streaming. I think it's still streaming on Netflix. Um, Candyman 2 and 3 are available on Prime, I believe. But yeah, it's been a while since I watched it, but it's still like it was a very striking experience. I've been wanting to revisit it. And I mean, you, I'm pretty sure you can I'll double check this and put it in the notes. But I believe that is another one of those resources where like Shudder has made 
a horror noir available for free, not just to subscribers. So to absolutely like make time for it. It's also, yeah, it's, it's really quick. It's like an hour 20. And I, I was just like, I sat back in my chair. I was watching it on my iPad with a glass of wine in my bedroom and it was sunny and beautiful. And like for that 80 or so minutes, I was totally engrossed and forgot that the world was terrible and just really enjoyed learning about, you know, just learning. I, I don't know. I love learning. That's really my favorite thing. That's why I love to study film and why we kind of like kind of why we do this podcast. So if you have some time, I would definitely make time for it. Wonderful. So my first movie is uh, both of my movies are essentially 2020 movies. If you don't count, you know, festival runs, which most people listening to this probably wouldn't have been attending anyways. Uh, Driveways uh, is the first one I want to talk about. I got access to it via the streaming app Hoopla, which is a free app you can get in conjunction with your local library if you have a library card with a number on it, uh, you know, like a library card does. It's a, it's like Canopy, but, you know, it, like it didn't have the like a high profile, like A24 titles on it that made Canopy like the number one like library streaming service. Uh, that people think of uh, like I've got I get a good amount of use out of uh, Hoopla it has like a lot of indie titles on there including like indie horror titles that I make use of but uh, Driveways I just I'd heard some great things somewhere along the way and when I found it on there recently I made some time for it and it's uh, it is a wonderful uh, movie it is directed by Andrew Ahn uh, written by Hannah Boss and Paul Thorine um, and it stars, it is one of the last roles from Brian Dennehy, who died this early this year, I believe. Uh, and also, like, also stars Hong Chow and a, the young actor Lucas J. It is a pretty simple story. It is about a mother, Hong Chow, and her like sensitive, lonesome son. Uh, they go to the sister aunt's house to clean it out. We discover over time that... Uh, the aunt who has died is 12 years older than uh, Hong Chao's Kathy and they weren't exactly tight. And so she's learning more about her sister like that. She was a massive hoarder along the way. Um, and over the course of the film, they're working on this house with all this stuff in it. It's taking way longer than they thought. And over the course of time, this young sensitive son befriends this, ne- this uh, next door neighbor, Brian Dennehy, who is Dell. Um, and we don't like the movie. What I really like about this movie, besides the fact that it's just like, it is just a nice assured portrait of just life. That is just mesmerizing. Um, is it is. It's like, I talk, I, I talk often in defense of some movies about, you know, death to subtlety and whatnot and how like subtlety is not by it's very nature a positive thing like it isn't like if you're subtle you are good and if you're not subtle you're bad however this movie is so beautifully subtle in ways where it never feels like it is grasping to be that and this movie never feels like it is trying to do something um you are just like in it the entire time with these mainly these three characters and i mean it's there's I mean, there's not much to spoil because there's not much in terms of action. It's just 
Hong Xiao is incredible as Kathy, the mother. She's, uh, it, we discovered she's not so much the focus. Uh, it is more about the res- relationship between her young son, Cody, and the neighbor, Dell. And we get to know more about them, especially Dell, as the story goes on. And the movie is in many ways about um, recognizing the people that you, like the person that you ha- like either were or that you currently are, and then the person that you will become, especially between Cody, who is trying to, like, you know, who's trying to grow up and is finding out more about himself and is just trying to get by as a kid in the world, which is tough, versus Del, who we, in very, like, small hints over the course of the movie, like, we find out that his daughter is a lesbian. We see early on that he's a Vietnam War veteran. It is not often explicit until, like, you know, what would be an Oscar scene at the very end if, like, it's it's a very key scene that kind of brings us together often this stuff is unstated but you get an idea that Dell was not always the person that he is now which is revealed to be a very kindly old man who is like very lonely now but is just like willing to help out the like this young mother like young single mother and her son and it's it's just a lovely little movie that like with these small acts of humanity throughout it can just like bring you to tears because of how beautiful small acts of like decency can be and how like the how end of relationships between human beings whether they are family or whether you know like these alternate family like family like these old like these other relationships you develop that are almost like alternate families yeah it's just uh it is just a lovely movie and i know like most of the movies anybody was has been looking forward to this year have been delayed and it's very easy to just for like uh think movies aren't coming out right now but this movie is I think one of a number of examples of a great movie that's come out this year that it is just by its very nature, very under the radar. And I absolutely think it is worth seeking out, especially if you just like want something nice that does not ignore the times we live in. There is a neighbor who's like uh, a Karen. There's a, she's a Karen basically. And she is never like, there's not never like any direct conflict, but she's just so comfortable saying these things that where you're just like, but we don't spend much time with her. Like that, and the, like that is one of the more overt ways that you know, like whether it be politics or like life in America shine through. But it, without ignoring these things, it, it without ignoring those things, it's just a very nice like like eighty two minutes or something that also gets at like human decency and evolving as a person in America without ever feeling like tied to this, these times or didactic or anything like that. Not that I often accuse movies of that anyways, but just like it can be relevant without being like, Oh, I had to gear myself up for this movie that is clearly made in the Trump era kind of thing. Yeah. That's definitely like right now when I'm choosing movies to watch, that is definitely a consideration that I make because we do turn to movies for a certain sense of escapism And while I do not always need to completely forget that every waking moment we experience in this mortal coil is a nightmare, sometimes I just don't want it to be like the forefront of the thing I'm trying to consume for entertainment. So good recommendation. Yeah, it's a a lovely movie. 
One other note that I would like to point out, if your library does not partner with uh, Hoopla, there is another free app called Overdrive that you can double check to see if you can get stuff on that. So between Overdrive, Hoopla, and Canopy, you should be able to get some free shit somewhere. I just started doing audiobooks for the first time. And because I'm a dummy, I never actually looked it up and was just like always had in my head, oh man, I wonder how long they actually give you with like audiobooks and like rentals or whatever to rent them. Instead of just like looking it up, I it just like was a mental hurdle. So I just finally got one. It's 21 days. I'm like, oh, that's funny. I'm going to burn through this cozy Agatha Christie movie or audiobook in no time. I should actually, uh, I'm getting to the point when I work mornings, I listen to podcasts because the first four hours is just me like working my section by myself. And I'm getting to the point where I'm almost caught up on like most of the podcasts that I listen to regularly. So maybe time to get some audiobooks up in here. My grandma, this is a, this is off topic, but it's cute. Uh, I have a, a fine on my library card and I can't go in to pay it because obviously. And so I can't use Hoopla with my library card because they don't let you until you don't have any fines. So my grandma sent me her library card number so that I could log into her account and rent movies or audiobooks or whatever if I need anything. And I can also get like Kindle books on my iPad, which is pretty nice too, so... Shout out to grandma. Way to go, grandma. <laughs> Jinx. All right, Kayla. Well, that. what is your uh, second choice this week? Cool. My second choice feels terrible and is not a good escape at all. So yeah, sorry in advance. Uh, and that movie is 2004's Mysterious Skin, directed and written by Greg Araki, based on the novel by Scott Heim, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Michelle Trachtenberg. Um, before I get into discussing this movie, I do want to throw out a content warning. The movie is about some long-lasting trauma that these two boys in the movie are dealing with from having been sexually abused as children. So nothing is ever graphically depicted on screen in regards to that, but it is still very upsetting. And there is a fairly graphic rape scene at one point in the movie later. So if that is not something that you want to watch, don't watch it totally fine. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know before we got into it. So the movie itself is the definition of difficult to watch, but artistically incredible. It kind of cuts back and forth between these two boys and their childhood. Uh, One is played as a teenager by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who plays Neil. He is a boy who had what he considered to be a formative sexual experience with his little league coach and is now kind of a hustler and meets up with men and has sex for money. Uh, The other is Brian, played by Brady Corbett. Brian was also abused by the little league coach, but doesn't remember it and has blocked it out and is convinced that he was abducted by aliens as a child because he perceives it to be missing time that he can't, you know, account for. And so he gets really into alien abduction stories and whatnot. So the movie kind of details these two boys, just like a snapshot in a summer of their life. So Neil is having kind of these, you know, uh, money for sex encounters and kind of looks back on his time with his little league coach very fondly for lack of a better word. He is best friends with Michelle Trachtenberg, uh, her character, Wendy, who is in the process of moving to New York to escape their like podunk town basically. And she um, knows everything about what happened to him and is kind of understanding of 
his complicated feelings on the matter. The two boys intersect when Brian watches a documentary on TV about alien abduction and meets up with a woman uh, from the documentary that lives close to him. And she encourages him to look into his dreams and to look into the connections that he can find. So he is in the process of tracking down Brian. And throughout the movie, it's kind of like a, a strange cat and mouse where Brian is constantly running around, either having these affairs, going to New York, et cetera, et cetera. And Brian is trying to find him because he is convinced that if he can find Brian, who he has had this recurring dream about being next to, he will know what happened to him and he will understand, you know, these aliens or whatever that he thinks took him. And overall, the movie is, again, really difficult. The scenes in which the little league coach is talking with Brian and with Neil are extremely upsetting and doing some research into the film uh, apparently is has been praised as a really realistic depiction not only of childhood sexual abuse but of the trauma that results from it and how different people deal with it i think that iraqi has created a really sensitive portrayal and that he worked really hard to make sure that the the filming of the movie was safe for the young child actors their parents got the whole script but the children received like edited versions all scenes in which the abusive person was speaking to the child were shot separately so the child would get their pages and write and like act towards the camera the adult would get his pages and act towards the camera etc and I think that this kind of lays a really great blueprint for how to deal with making art about these kinds of experiences because you never want to unintentionally traumatize somebody at a young age who can't fully grasp, you know, what it is that they're reading about or acting out. But also it is important, I think, to have art about these things because when you've been through a trauma or abuse or anything, there is something really affirming and special is not the right word, but something that just comforting is the word I'm looking for about seeing that depicted truthfully on screen and getting to kind of like place yourself in that character and know that somebody out there understands what you've been through and that the way that you've reacted to it isn't necessarily wrong or anything like that. So overall, I think technically it's a great movie. It has really good editing. The performances are incredible. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I think here, is really getting into his stride of breaking out from his like child sitcom actor phase. This is the year before he stars in Brick, and he is quoted as saying that Araki was one of the first directors who said that he could be, you know, sexy because a lot of the roles that he'd played before were either like nice kid, smart kid, misunderstood, angry kid. And this is where he finally felt like even though he was playing a teenager, he could kind of transition into that adult mode that he was desperately seeking out. And I think that if you look at Joseph Gordon-Levitt's career after this, it kind of lays the blueprint for like what kind of movies he's going to choose and which kind of directors he's going to want to work with. And it is just a super, it, it's not for anybody who is going to be just squeamish and miserable the entire time. 
but it's a really beautiful movie and it ends on this strangely hopeful note. If you guys don't mind me spoiling it, it ends with these two teenage boys finally coming together. And I think that despite being, you know, broken in his own ways, Neil is very cognizant of the fact that Brian doesn't really remember this event and has a very different experience than him. And they kind of work together to one, recover the memories of this event, to talk it through, and Neil taking culpability for his own role in it as, you know, being kind of the bait dangled to get Brian to go along with it. And it ends on this really poignant note of like, these two boys are together now, both fully understanding what has happened to them after Neil experiences his own uh, like teenagehood trauma in New York City. And they are just holding each other and existing together. And I think that ending on this note of just like, we are together now and we can face this and acknowledge it and the role that it will play on us for the rest of our lives is weirdly hopeful despite everything leading up to it being so viscerally terrible and uncomfortable. This comes on the heels of Iraqi's like teenage apocalypse trio of films, which is more about partying and doing drugs and kind of like sliding back into uh, that like early late 90s, early 2000s debauchery that people seemed really fascinated with. Uh, when it came to portraying teenagers on screen. And I think that this is a really great way to kind of end cap that phase of his career where he was like, okay, this is all of this crazy stuff. Now here is something that is very serious and very poignant. So yeah, it's one of those movies, again, that I am glad that I watched. It was kind of a white whale for me for a long time. Um, I had wanted to watch it a long time ago, and it used to be really hard to track down. Now it's streaming on the Criterion channel, so you can watch it whenever, which is great. But again, hard to recommend, but kind of have to recommend it all the same. It just feels like a really incredible and important piece of art. So yeah. Yeah, and I have nothing to add because I am woefully uh, under... I, I need to watch Greg Rocky movies. That is something that has became become more clear, especially on, on the TL. Um, but hey, that's what Criterion's there for. To be fair, I had not I had not seen a Greg Rocky movie before this one, and I texted friend of the pod Charlie as soon as I started watching it to let uh, to let him know that I was watching it, and his response was pretty much like "woof, good luck, great movie, bad." <laughs> so I definitely am excited to dive more into his filmography because it is kind of this intersection of things that I like, which is like movie, like teen fiction in a way uh, with Hurts to Watch with a whole lot. I don't know. It, it's very much my brand to like Greg Araki. So yeah. Tyler, what was the other movie that you watched? Well, it's uh, another just hard pivot. Um, the movie, my, my uh, second movie is The Deeper You Dig, which is basically like 2019 Film Festival, 2020 release movie uh it is a horror movie uh, as is our brand uh and like it, it it got some buzz out of some festivals like uh scream fest and i will fully admit i found this one by googling uh or like i had, have some saved but best horror 2020 so far list and i was like what's the first title like counting down from like number one like what's the first one i haven't seen yet let's look into it what was this one 
and uh, so I, I rented it VOD and basically, so this movie is uh, another, like another short one. Both of my movies today are shorter than 90 minutes. Uh, this one's about a 14 year old girl is killed in a drunk driving accident. Um, and the guy, the, the man, Kurt tries to hide it, but she haunts him. And uh, her mother is actually a, I guess I'll say a lapsed medium and who uh, is cert- like a, uh, starts to, reinvestigate reinvest in like reclaim whatever her powers and it's basically about the uh a thin line between life and death as uh he as basically it's just like as these three characters wrestle with each other it is a very so it is very much a micro budget movie uh but it makes great use of the resources they have it is like this uh snowy i don't think it's appalachian um I forget I forget exactly where it's located but like it's like the like it's actual winter uh he's the guy's fixing up like this like this um old dilapidated house um they do a lot of I would say certain like unconventional directing or editing tricks especially when it comes to like visions or dream sequences or, you know things like that um they happen either like in pitch black or like in ways you don't expect and in ways that uh make like make it difficult to tell like what is real and happening and what is like like what like what trying to get a handle on what the supernatural is in this like you know little universe um and I think and it, it's, it's really effective. I think it has a pretty clear take on the, uh, on a haunting story and is another reminder that man, it would be, it was sure would be terrible to be haunted by like a tween. Um, uh, it has got some very limited, like very, but effective humor. Um, it's just, it's just really nicely done. It's effective. It's weird. I like, I like the choices it makes. It's just a satisfying watch, especially as you know more, as you learn more about the production. Now, that's part of the why I chose this is not just like, you know, it's a satisfying little 2020 horror movie, but it has a very interesting story behind it in that this was actually, uh, it's an Adams Family production, but one D in the Adams. And it's literally by this family of um, this, uh, I think, I th- if they're not husband and wife, they're partners, uh, John Adams and Toby Poser, both who have like a history in, uh, you know, acting in LA. But at some point in time, basically, they decide, they decided we should like uh the way it's framed in some interviews is the husband john told uh toby or the the uh you should just make your own movies and so they did they decided to just go off and make their own movies and so it is these two partners and their two daughters who are now 20 and 15 but over the last 10 years they have just been making their own movies and sometimes they're like you know other actors or people in them but for the most part it is them making the movies and they see in despite what you'd think uh about or like about you know a family like going off on their own and making movies usually it's like a i don't know you get like a weird religious band for my the kids out of those you know but uh they parent like they've, they and they're not just horror movies um, let me pull up starting in 
2013, it looks like. So they made movies, Rumble, Strix, Knuckle Jack, The Shoot, Halfway to Zen, The Deeper You Dig. Not all horror movies. Like, there's some road trip movies. There's some straight-up dramas in there. Um, but they're, like, written and directed by the husband and wife. And now that the daughters are getting older, they are taking over some of the writing and direction and cinematography, which is a thing, like, the that uh, Toby Poser has been really excited about in some of the interviews around she, The Deeper You Dig. She's like, I'm, like, my daughter, like my children are getting all these credits that they would not be able to get to otherwise. And I do think it adds to kind of the ingenious, the ingenious uses they find for their limited resources and some of those odd decisions. Like you talk, like um, there are different merits to them, but it reminded me of conversations people have online about like, even just like with TikTok videos, like the way that like teens are like, ed- like the like masterful editing direction they do in just like those short videos. Some of the unconventional stuff happening in this movie, when I read more and find out the 15 year old who plays the daughter, uh, like was more in charge than ever of like helping out with the story and with a lot of the direction. And she was really big on having movement, like camera movement involved. And um, like, you know, it, like it doesn't necessarily always work, but like, even before I knew that information, watching the movie, I'm like, they're just doing like kind of weird, unconventional stuff. And then like, not every single bit works for me, but I'm like, I'm liking that. It just feels different. And maybe that's why, cause they got a, a zoomer there. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, besides being a, you know, solid, creepy little movie, it's just, what a pretty neat story. And and just by happenstance, well, not just by happenstance, but like one of like the older daughter like is not involved in this one because she was like studying, like she was in college studying in France or something. But I think that is, it, from what I can tell, it seems like a very fascinating, positive thing that actually like allows for some more creativity. The also the, like these young girls getting these opportunities to, or the young woman now I suppose, but like uh, getting these opportunities and getting these reps, and not in a like it feels different than like the privilege of, Oh, my dad is a famous actor or director. So we're rich. So we can afford to hire like the best editors, the best, the best crew, basically like that is one kind of privilege It's a little different. Like this, I don't know, this feels different and more substantive, which is like, I don't know that it's placing a weird value judgment on how other people run their lives, which is kind of cool that it's like they're out there making these indie films and like, like they saw what they wanted and they made it happen for themselves, which is right. It's like more aspirational. Yeah. My first question is, can they adopt me? That's really my only question. Actually. I would like to see the movie <laughs> making family. Um, that's uh, pretty cool. The cat skills. That's where it was. Oh, it just occurred to me. Sorry. Oh it didn't bother me what the mountains were. The that, cat like, skills and, are so yeah. beautiful, by the way. Uh, I have like, been it, there and they rule. So it, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great setting. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's I just just uh, a cool little 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 spooky movie with a really cool story behind it, and I kind of want to dive into some of their other movies. Just uh, there's, I don't spend a lot of time with like micro budget movies, just because they're they come in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> Sometimes you know, they're fine, <laughs> but it's nice to find like some gems in there. I and, think Moonlight is maybe the number one most successful micro budget movie of all time that 100% works. <laughs> and then it gets like, that's like the top tier. And then that's where the scale like ends. And it's a long way to get up there. <laughs> I, don't, <clears throat> I don't think I talked about it on the podcast, but I did watch The Battery recently, which is like this legendary 
like zombie like let like cult legendary mm-hmm. zombie movie that was made for like six thousand dollars but is very effective and uh no and that was good and jeremy gardner like that would totally be a candidate for me to talk about his new movie after midnight at some point but that's going off on a tangent like um, not knocking it obviously like uh right. if you can make, like uh, not saying that you have to spend a lot of money for the movie to be good it's just that the fact of the matter is a lot of times when you have a very small budget you can tell so right. and how often are those movies like I, like it's one thing for like passionate artists to be making them how often it's just like i don't know some kid got his dad to give him x thousand dollars oh my god we should make like an iphone movie we could do that and, and that'll be one of the worthwhile micro budget i mean there's i mean it <laughs> yes. is one of those things where it's like no reason not to like yeah why we're in quarantine why not you know just take out your phone and start i don't know walking down hallways in a spooky manner or something I keep, I keep thinking about like actually figuring out how to write a screenplay because the longer i sit with my like percolating novel idea the longer i'm like i really feel like i'm just supposed to be a screenplay writer because and, and that sounds like really pretentious but like what what i mean when i say that is that as much as i love reading and i love books i feel like i spend so much more of my um, like critical thinking ability on movies and the art of filmmaking and whatnot. So like when I like sit down to be like, okay, now is the time I'm going to write my novel. I'm going to work on my novel. I like don't know how to do it because when I'm thinking about it, it's not in paragraphs. It's in like, this is how I would want the scene to look. This is et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know, maybe I should get my shit together and do something useful with my quarantine time besides I don't know, whatever it is I've been doing, buying plants every other day <laughs> and eating ice cream and learn how to do that. I mean, I told, uh, I have eaten too much ice cream, uh, but I did tell a friend on a phone earlier today. I'm just like, I just, I just have all, all on, on my porch. I have my garden set up and I keep adding plants to it. And they're my best friends now. They're the ones I see every day. <laughs> These are my coworkers, my family, my friends. <laughs> that's kind of how i feel about my sunroom of plants to be honest i today i got a bunch of flowers from work i, I got i paid for uh, a bunch of peonies because sadly this sorry this is a total tangent uh but the peony uh crop this year was tragically cut short by a heat wave in the place that our supplier grows them so we found out that today or tomorrow is going to be our last shipment of peonies for the entire year so i and peonies are really pretty if you've never had them they start as little as little balls and then you put them in the water and they just like open up and they're really pretty and gorgeous and so i bought some and i bought some sunflowers but then i went out back and i found a lot of flowers that were slated for the garbage so i currently have one two three four flower arrangements in my apartment on top of my absurd amount of house plants and that has really just been my number one quarantine thing is plants uh, i mean what else, what else are we gonna do who would have guessed <laughs> that's okay everything's opening back up now and it's fine and you know what i don't want to go down that table. it's not fine everybody wear a mask and yes. stay home as much as possible thank you that's <laughs> that's the official stance of let the right films in the podcast is you need to wear a mask if you're going outside and you really shouldn't go outside if you really don't have to well outside to places i guess you can go outside but you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah um so yeah i think that kind of wraps up our recently watched and our i guess we kind of ended up having a an off-topic tangent on plants yeah but we could so we'll, we'll we'll see maybe we'll end up doing our segment who knows 
who knows what will what'll happen in the world over the next two weeks, you know? That's super true. Um, so at the time of recording, we have not yet selected the films for our next Criterion feature for July. So you'll find out when you listen to our Criterion episode for June, which will be released probably in the beginning of July. Pandemic timing. You know. The world is crazy right now. We're working on it. It's It's happening. Thank you very much to all of our patrons for giving us money and putting up with our shit. If you are interested at all in talking to us, you can either give us a shout out on Twitter at LTRFI pod. If you have something to say to us that is longer than 280 characters, you can always shoot us an email at LTRFI pod at gmail.com. We are also always interested in having guests on. Uh, by the time this comes out, you have listened to our first Criterion guest feature featuring producer Landon DeFever. Very exciting. If you have something from the Criterion channel that you're interested, or if you're just like, I don't know, I kind of want to expand my horizons and I would be interested to just hop on an episode, let us know. We can pick something and you can show up and talk and it'll be really fun. I, that's not a promise, I guess, but I feel like we always have fun with our guests. <laughs> we also have an Instagram if you'd like to follow us. It is also at LTRFIPod. And last but not least, as you may have heard by now, I have foolishly decided to move up and expedite getting married. So I need money. And if you would like to support that fund, you can become a patron of Let the Right Films In at patreon.com slash LTRFIPod with tiers starting as low as $1, <laughs> which gets you a shout out on the show at the $10 tier, you get to select a movie for us to cover. So that is a really enticing uh, tier, in my opinion. If you recall- and if you get $15, you get invited to the wedding. No, the wedding is guest listed oh. for pandemic time. So I don't know, if you donate like $50, you can come to our large reception next year. Got a long wait on that one. I've had like almost an entire glass of rosé. So <laughs> that is, I'm just going to, next year, I'm just going to be like, incredible. We have 74 patrons that I have to include on the guest list. Who let this happen? <laughs> but yeah, so. I'm just going to secretly edit the Patreon page and not tell you. <laughs> Kayla, it said on there with your, with your co-sign that they get invited to the wedding and you give them the, your gifts. I <laughs> You do not get the gifts. Um, that That's a fun off-topic thing, I guess. I did spend like three hours the other day just creating wedding registries <laughs> and just being like, maybe somebody will buy me a $500 stand mixer. I don't know. I'm just going to put it out into the universe. Do I need a matching set of like super expensive Le Creuset Dutch ovens? No. But if somebody wants to buy them for me, yes. And that is a wedding weird tradition i've never really thought of the wedding registry where it's like i don't know here's a list of stuff i want if you want to get me some stuff i'm not gonna lie i felt super weird putting it together because a lot of it was definitely expensive stuff that i cannot afford for myself but like if somebody wanted to buy it for me i would happily accept so i don't know we're getting married on halloween this year and it's going to be really spooky tyler's going to be in the wedding i have to send him a link after this to rent a tux yeah it's going to be oh my god this is totally off topic and the worst way ever to end this podcast, but we fully should record audio at my wedding and include it as like a bonus <laughs> for our podcast. That's so on brand. I love it. Okay. That makes sense. I just, the, the way you said that. We're great at this. Okay. Awesome. Just totally stellar. I'm so sorry, Landon. Welcome to uh, our production. That meeting. concludes our July recently watched episode. 
We will see you again soon for an undetermined criterion double feature. And as always in these trying times, very seriously, please do stay healthy, stay safe, be smart, wear a mask if you're going in public. Thank you. Good night. Landon, don't forget to put me loudly taking a drink of wine and swallowing it into the bloopers just to torture Landon, Tyler. don't you fucking dare. Landon, don't do it. Don't listen dare. to Tyler. I He's not the producer God. anymore. He got fired from being the producer, and I'm telling you right now as the creative director that you have to put it in the bloopers. First, I lose my taking of uh, Deborah Logan one, two, three joke. Now this. Sorry. I'm just holding the mic now. <laughs> what up? Open up this pit. You ever think about millennials, you know? What's up with all Millennials, we're talking about these Zoomers. <laughs>